0: Happy 4th of July weekend, everyone. So, uh, I don't usually do this, um, but I do need to show you my socks. Because I love my socks. So, I don't know if you can see that. Whoa, there we go. Those are very cool. Uh, actually, Pastor Eric and I have like this sock rivalry thing going on on Tuesdays. We, we compare socks and... Uh, uh, see who has the the cooler socks. Uh, I'm not sure if it's really a rivalry for me because he's never had cooler socks than me. It's not a challenge. I, 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 you know, it, it's sad. You know, he comes in, he thinks he's got some. Yeah, you know, so, uh, it's So poor Pastor Eric, but I got some cool socks, and I and I actually have theme socks for like different things, you know, and everything like uh, when I'm gonna go and. Ask somebody like for a big ask, like uh, you know, just like, hey, will you serve this big ministry or 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 something like that? I have these socks with uh, flying pigs on it, like and they're like, so I, I want someday somebody to go like, when pigs fly, I'm like, ah, <laughs> welcome aboard. So uh, good, good stuff. So hey, we've been in a series called Gallery 13 where we've been looking at, at different um, followers of Christ, not necessarily the original 12 disciples, but different disciples, students of of Jesus. And uh, we've looked at Paul and Peter and then remember the crazy cutter guy and, and the first missionary. And uh, we looked at John the Baptist and last week... Eric talked about uh, John the Beloved, right? And his uh, phrase was, a disciple of Jesus is never too old. And uh, today we're going to be looking at, at Timothy, uh, who's a very young leader in in the New Testament. Uh, he's a third-generation Christian, uh, really unique kind of story. And there's a lot that we can learn from from Timothy and I've learned a lot from Timothy and and actually as I become older I've learned uh, a lot more about the psyche uh, between uh, uh, just Timothy being timid uh, in certain circumstances and and Paul encouraging him uh, saying hey don't let people discredit you because of your youth and things like that and my whole life i i always kind of equated this idea that age equals influence or uh another way to put that is age equals um uh leadership right and and when i was young i just i, I kind of looked at cuz older people were were the leaders so i just figured oh you know that that must be what makes a leader. You have to be a certain age. So I, I felt like I wanted to be a leader, but I always kind of like in the beginning felt like, oh, I have to wait. I have to wait till, you know, I lose hair or get some gray hair or, or, or something like that. And I think as I uh, have, have grown as a leader and, and, and now I'm a maybe I'm not old, but a middle-aged guy, uh, middle-aged leader, I, I look back and I, and I actually realize that, that age does not equal influence. Age does not equal uh, leadership, that, that it's something else. This week, I posted a couple of questions on my Facebook wall just asking people, you know, what, what are some characteristics of leaders that that you find appealing or you look for in a leader? And there's a whole bunch of different things, you know, somebody's, you know, servant leader or somebody who's not too good to, to you know, work, uh, people who are honest, things like that. There's a whole bunch of different kind of ideas, one that resonated with me was this idea of, of, of servant leadership. And not so much that, that you're working, but that, that your job as a leader is to serve others, serve the community in which you are leading. Whatever that answer is, I think in our discussion um, today that we'll be able, uh, through the lens of Paul and how he viewed Timothy, uh, that we can begin to unpack this idea of how to be a disciple when we are beginning our journey. And if you're not just beginning your journey, actually the life of Timothy is pretty unique where he has a very long ministry and uh, we'll be able to look at what, what it means just to, to follow Jesus for the long haul. The one thing about Timothy is that as far as like his character and, and things like that, a lot of what we know about Timothy, Timothy is through the lens of Paul. He was uh, a disciple of Paul in the, in, in the sense that he was a student of Paul. He, he learned how to be a pastor from Paul. He learned how uh, to be a leader from Paul. And in Acts chapter 16, uh, starting in verse 1 and 2, that we get Paul's first kind of encounter with Timothy. Verse 1 says, Paul went to Derbe and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and uh, Iconium. And then also we see in uh, 2 Timothy, uh, when a letter that Paul wrote later, um, he wrote about Timothy. He says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that was first filled with your grand, uh, from your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. And writing them this, this letter of encouragement. And here we see with, with Timothy this, this, uh, this character that, that is very unique in the New Testament because um, scholars are, are divided on this, but most likely that, that Timothy was already a follower of Christ when Paul met him. Also, Timothy comes from a very unique region in the ancient Near East, a place called Asia Minor, uh, uh, currently Turkey. And I have a map here uh, to kind of help us. Be, and I usually don't get into the map things. That's, a, you know, an Eric Case thing. But, uh, uh, but I think it's important to, to, to understand kind of who Timothy was and Timothy's worldview. Okay. So, you see right there on the right side of the map, there's Galatia. Now, you go straight down to that purple in between the two yellows there. You can see his town, Iconium. Now, this is a very unique region uh, in the history of the world. Uh, Basically, the uh, uh, the, uh, Macedonians came... Around the North and down into what that on this map says Galatia, and settled it and from there uh, from there, the Hittite Empire in about twelve hundred b c uh, conquered them and basically established the first government in that in that region then uh, then they were overtaken. Once again, uh, the Hellenization actually happened in that in that whole region. The Greeks came in. In fact, in Greek ma- mythology, Iconium is where uh, Perseus lopped off the head of Medusa. Okay, so so it's a, it's a, it's a place of of great historical um, great historical kind of significance, but also has Greek mythology woven through it. Now, from there, the uh, the Persian king Cyrus came in and conquered the Greeks, and it kind of went back and forth. And, and what we see is this great kind of uh, changing of the guard back and forth politically. Then, when uh, the 3rd century B.C. came in, the Greeks... Uh, conquered it once again, but they only held it for about 50 years before the Gauls, the pagan, the barbarians, ah, you know, came down and they conquered that uh, whole area. Now, the Gauls named it Galatia. Gaul, And, and, that stuck that that whole region um at that time in asian minor was known as Galatia and it wasn't until uh there was a bunch of more just kind of wars that that uh Pontus and then Mark Anthony um took it over and then returned it back to the Gauls and then uh once the Gaul king died then the Roman Empire took it over once again, and that was around 25 B.C. Now, this is all significant. We'll get there, okay, because you're like thinking, well, 25 B.C., we're still before Christ, right, and uh, so what's going on? Well, you got to remember that the persecution of the, of the church happened, the persecution of the church that was orchestrated by... Paul thank you. <laughs> Paul and when the persecution of the church started happening what happened to the Jewish what did the Jewish believers do when they started being persecuted? They spread throughout the region, right? So they spread up you can see Jerusalem down at the bottom right there at the at the bottom. They spread up and you can see at the top of Syria there where Antioch where the first Christian church was established and then you know, they moved over into Galatian. And then Paul, in his first missionary journey in about 47 AD, uh, meets Timothy and Eunice and Lois. Now, what kind of person did Paul meet? How? What was Timothy as a young man? What, being brought up by his mother and his grandmother, uh, because, in in faith, because his father was a Greek, right? And he was basically spiritually checked out. He was raised uh, uh, the, the spiritual leaders in the home, or his grandmother, mother. What kind of worldview did he have? He, yeah, he had some stability in the Roman Empire, but he lived in a region that that its whole history, that there was no political stability. That basically is this place where, where you know, kings changed just on a regular basis. It reminds me of a story that uh, a church had, had gone through a series of pastors, and uh, but kept the same deacon board. And I remember this pastor saying that he was the, the next uh, person who... Uh, came in to lead the church and he talked about some vision and then one of the deacons said, I don't want to go there. And he's like, well, I'm the pastor. He's like, look, I was here before you and I was here after, I'm going to be here after you. You know, this idea that that there's nothing permanent. And Timothy uh, perhaps had this kind of view. And pretty much because Probably his grandmother and mother told him about the changing of the guard. That this was probably stories that they told around the dinner table. For instance, my my grandmother and and my mom told me stories about World War II. They lived in London, and uh, my mom and my grandmother told me a story about how my grandfather in London during the bombings in World War II, when Hitler would bomb. London, that my grandfather um, basically made a cage and then wrapped it in chicken wire. And during the bombing raids, that they would go down into the basement and that they would go into this, this cage and, and, and this chicken wire. And so when the if a bomb hit, that they would be safe, at least have a little cocoon uh, from the rubble. Now, my family is also Jewish and they were practicing Jews. And uh, my mom got sent away, and and we also have uh, a lot of uh, uh, family in Poland at that time who were Jewish, and they were taken away to concentration camps. And these were stories that we told. One of my mom's dear friends, uh, Vera Shalom, uh, growing up, that she would come over to our house, and she was actually had the numbers that Hitler tattooed uh, on her she was in the concentration camp. Now I wasn't alive in World War II. You know, obviously. I'm not that old. And and uh but I heard these stories that I saw the 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 fallout from it even so much so that that my my uh when I fell in love with uh this this uh young girl named Shannon Shannon Ray Remington that uh she has german blood in her background and we couldn't tell my grandmother because she would have freaked out it just that was just kind of my family upbringing that 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 that, that the the nazis had inflicted so much pain on on my family and there was so much death and and uh and hatred, that it was a very difficult thing. So, these are things that I grew up, these are the stories that I grew up hearing. Well, we're only talking about 70 years here between the last changing of the garden. Before that, it happened again and again and again. And, and Lois and uh, Eunice must have heard stories from their mothers as well. And it may be one of the reasons why they turned to Christianity. That that in all of this political turmoil, having uh, stability in Christ, having stability in the one true God, that that they could say, you know what? Whoever is the king of the day coming through this area, that that we know the ultimate king is King Jesus and he is on the throne for eternity. And these are the the, the kind of the ideas ideas that, that perhaps, now we don't know, but perhaps kind of uh, form the makeup of Timothy. One of the uh, kind of the leading kind of understandings of Timothy was that Paul called Timothy his true child in the faith. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. And he says, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. His relationship with Paul was very, very close. That that Paul was an apostle of Christ and and Timothy learned how to be a leader, learned how to be a follower of Christ, first from his grandmother and his mother, but then from Paul, that he traveled with Paul. in this this area of political unrest and and not a whole lot of stability, at least historically, that, that he found stability in Christ, but not in the circumstances, as we'll learn later, but in the transcendent relationship that he experienced. That Timothy is actually uh, named and very dear to Paul, and he's named as a co-author in 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, and Philemon. That that uh, perhaps Timothy was the one who actually penned the words because Paul was very uh, uh, he he couldn't see very well, and. And so, Paul would dictate the the, the the epistles to these churches that we have and we read, and it was probably Timothy who actually wrote the words. And I think a lot of ways that we can know Timothy through Paul. And if you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians in chapter 4, I think that... Even though this is Paul writing, I think that we get a a real good understanding of what Timothy's life must have been like as he went on these missionary journeys and went with Paul and and wrote with Paul and spent time with Paul. Starting in verse 8, Paul writes, and he's writing to the Corinthian church, "'You think you already have everything you need. You think you are already rich.'" You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you really were reigning already, for then we would be reigning with you. Instead, sometimes I think God has put us apostles on display, like prisoners of war at the end of the victor's parade, uh, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world. To people and angels alike. And then listen to this next part. this, This next section and just kind of get a glimpse of what Paul and Timothy's life must have been like. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. But you claim to be so wise in Christ... We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridicule. Even now we go hungry and thirsty and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We're often beaten and have no home. We work warily with our own hands to earn a living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently to the evil things that are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. This is like a great, like, recruitment flyer, right? (laughs) Like, sign me up. This sounds wonderful. You know, who's the we? You know, he's talking about him and and Timothy and and Barnabas and, and, and whoever else he is traveling with. Verse 14 says, I am not writing these things to shame you, uh uh-huh, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ when I preached the good news to you. Now listen to these next few sentences. So I urge you to imitate me. That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. You see, Tim, Tim, Timothy, sorry. He's probably Tim by now, right? He's like, a little Timothy, you know, he's been beaten, he's in prison, he's gone hungry, he can be Tim. <laughs> <clears throat> Timothy has lived through this, that he has learned how to be a follower of Christ through these hardships. And you think about, about the, the, the list that, that Paul is talking about here, about being beaten and being despised and being treated like garbage and all of these things. And, and just the, the dichotomy of like, you think you're so powerful, we are weak, you are honored, we are despised. And this, this is Timothy's backdrop, this is Timothy's life, this is Timothy's context for following Jesus. And Paul says, you know what, Timothy, Take this letter to the church in Corinth. It's not a nice letter. It's like a come to Jesus, like literally letter, right? <laughs> it's sad. And, and Timothy's going there and he's and, and saying like, you know what, Timothy, then you're going to stay there for a little bit, and you're going to teach them how to be followers of Christ because that, that the church has lost its way. And you look at this, and I think it's very telling, especially for the rest of Timothy's life, that this foundation of learning how to be a leader, how to follow Christ, how to be a pastor in his time with Paul. It says in Acts chapter 16 that Timothy was well thought of by the other believers in his area. And I think that that we start to see some clues of what makes somebody truly a leader, what makes somebody truly, uh, uh, gives somebody truly influence. And it's not age, because there's lots of people who are old who do not have influence. There are lots of people who uh, are old and they do not have leadership. And you're starting to see that, you know what, those who look at themselves and say, you know what, I am here to serve in the name of Christ, that I am here to serve the, the people, not necessarily by bringing them, you know, tea and crumpets, but, but by looking at the needs of the community that they serve and with an integrity and longevity serve them through the good and the bad and to constantly point them back to the, what the main thing is. Now, getting into church history uh, about, about Timothy, church history uh, says that eventually Timothy kept on growing in his influence and he became the bishop of Ephesus. Ramsey, could I get the map back up there again? There we go. Okay, uh, if you go, you see Asia there. Uh, Ephesus is on the coast, on the west coast. West coast uh, of, of Asia. Sorry, can't help myself. Uh, so he goes over over there and he becomes the, the bishop of, of, of uh, Ephesus and, and that area. And becomes very prominent. Uh, during his time there, and, and we don't know for sure how this happens, but I'm going to just tell you how I think it happened, that Paul, uh, in his last missionary journey, you see, ends up in, in Rome there, and that's where he's imprisoned. And one of the things that he writes is that he, he wants Timothy to come visit him one last time. So so you can see up at the top left-hand screen you have Rome, where Paul is, and you can see where uh Ephesus is. You know, he couldn't just jump on jet blue, you know, and and jump over that. I mean, it was a it was a major uh undertaking for him, but it just kind of shows how much commitment he had to Paul and and how much he he cared for Paul and how much Paul cared for him. After Paul uh Uh, was was martyred, he goes back to Ephesus, and in the year 97, he's about 80 years old. And this is, I think, a pretty amazing story, especially in the context of all the people that we are talking about, you know, Timothy being one of the youngest leaders, but also having a successful ministry for probably, you know, 60 years. And now he's 80 years old, and he's in Ephesus. And there's this cult of Diana, uh, and there's this big procession going on to the temple. And what does Timothy, Bishop Timothy, decide to do? Bishop Timothy decides, you know what? These people need to hear the gospel. So he goes and he stands in front of the procession of of all the pagans. This is what they're called. I'm not trying to be rude. Uh, The pagans uh, who are going to do their, you know, cult of Diana thing. And he stands and he says, hey, hey, I want to tell you guys about Jesus. And he starts preaching the gospel at 80 years old, man. He's still like just full of it you know. And so what happens? I'm sure they start ridiculing him, and then somebody starts beating him, and they drag him through the streets, and they eventually stone him, and he dies a martyr. And that is the end of Timothy's life. I think that When you look at at, at Timothy's life, he, like everyone else that we're talking about, that we're talking about them not because of what they abstained from, what they didn't do, but what they did do. That Timothy was this man who was raised in, in an area that, that really didn't, up until the point, historically did not have a lot of political stability, that, that the place that he lived had king after king, and it went back and forth, and, and his father was spiritually checked out. But he had a, a mother and a grandmother that told him about Jesus, and then he met this mentor, and he followed this mentor, and he learned how to be a pastor and he learned how to be an evangelist, and he learned how to be a leader, and he learned how to have influence. And we know from extra-biblical and biblical texts that he probably wasn't a healthy person as far as physically. And uh, he may have been timid because Paul says, hey, you know, take it easy on Timothy. He He's a co-worker of the gospel. That we know that he probably had stomach, maybe anxiety problems, and that's why Paul said, hey, you know what? You need a little wine for your for your stomach. Mellow out, right? Uh, and, and kind of things like this that we know. And And we see that he lives this life and he has influence not only in, in, in uh, Iconium, but uh, but also he grows in influence into the whole region and becomes a bishop and then concludes his life standing up against the cult of Diana. And I think that that if I could give any advice to young leaders, I would probably give them Paul's advice that Paul gives Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says in verse 12, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Young, not young. You know what? Where I am in life, you know, it, I, I am looking for people. Who have passion and energy and want to serve and sacrifice. And you can be 10 or you can be 100. Age doesn't matter. Then he says, be an example to all the believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity, because the way you live gains influence, gains you the right to lead and then he says this until i get there focus on reading the scriptures to the church stay basic don't get too complicated encourage the believers in teaching them and then he says do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid hands on you you know what do not lose sight of your calling Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Be dedicated. Be focused. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. I want to show you a video Of one of the greatest young leaders of our time. Someone who has inspired me and perhaps has inspired you and then we'll come back and and I'll reveal the phrase it pays. So watch this video with me.
1: I think we all need pep talk. The world needs you to stop being boring. Yeah, you. Boring is easy. Everybody can be boring. But you're gooder than that. Life is not a game, people. Life isn't a serial either. Well, it is a cereal. And if life is a game, aren't we all on the same team? I mean, really, right? I'm on your team. Be on my team. This is life, people. You got air coming through your nose. You got heartbeat. That means it's time to do something. A poem. Two roads diverged in the woods, and I took the road less traveled. It hurt, man! Really bad. Rocks, thorns, and glass. My pants broke. Wah! Not cool, Robert Frost. But well, if there really were two paths, I won't be in the one that leads to awesome. It's like that dude Journey said. Don't stop believing, unless you dream sleeping. Then you should get a better dream. I think that's how it goes. Get a better dream and keep going. Keep going, keep going, and keep going. What Michael Jordan have quit? Well, he did quit. No, he retired. Yeah, yes, he retired. But before that, in high school, what if he quit when he didn't make the team? He would have never made Space Jam. And I love Space Jam. What will be your Space Jam? What will you create that will make the world awesome? Nothing if you keep sitting there that's why I'm talking to you today. This is your time. This is my time. It's our time. We can make every day better for each other. But if we're all on the same team, let's start acting like it. We got work to do. We can cry about it, or we can dance about it. We were made to be awesome. Let's get out there. I don't know everything. I'm just a kid. But I do know this. It's is everybody's duty to give the world a reason to dance. So get to it. that will make the world awesome. Play
0: ball. A disciple of Jesus is never too young.